pipe, oh, and it's yeah. blocked, and it is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown, Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Hey, y'all. Welcome in to this California edition of Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. I will be solo Today, I'm sitting in the hotel room in Costa Mesa. Spent this morning watching the Saints practice. I got a few highlights over to my left. We'll be playing those throughout the show. If you want to check them out, go over to WWL Sports on YouTube. But I'm going to be going through my main takeaways from today's joint practice with the Chargers. It was a fun day. It was interesting. We'll get into a lot of that. The second segment, I'm going to play some audio from Mike Thomas. Got a chance to talk to him today. And then we'll also be hearing from Mike Haas and Deuce McAllister on what they thought of the practice. One of the reasons that I have to lean on Deuce's assessment is because with these joint practices, can't be in two places at once. And so on one field, you have the offense, the Saints offense facing the Chargers defense. On the other field, you have the Saints defense facing the Chargers offense. Today, I was watching the Saints offense go against the Chargers defense tomorrow. I will be, or when this, when you listen to this, if you were listening to the podcast version, will be later. I don't know. Uh, I will be watching the Saints defense go against the Chargers offense, so I'll be able to get a bit more. Deuce was able to stand in the middle of the fields because he's got special privileges because he's Deuce McAllister, uh, so he has a better idea of what happened with the defense. But I'll be going through mainly my takeaways from the offense in this segment, and then second segment we'll learn more about the defense. The last segment will be a mailbag spot. First things first, let's get into takeaways. There were a few players that we did not see at all. And they aren't particularly surprising. The surprise was how many players actually got back. But the players we did not see were Taysom Hill, wide receiver Traquan Smith, who's still dealing with that groin injury. Taysom Hill's dealing with that oblique injury that he left practice early with on Tuesday. We also did not see Landon Young. We did not see tight end Jesse James. We did not see Lynn Bowden Jr. Landon Young is dealing with a knee injury that he suffered last Friday, the practice before the preseason opener. Jesse James, we have not seen in a while. He's dealing with a groin injury. Lynn Bowden Jr., unclear. We do not know what his injury is. He has not been cut as far as we know, so that's going to be one to watch. But that list is short, and that means that we did see Linebacker Demario Davis, we saw wide receiver Rashid Shaheed, we saw guard Andres Pete, we saw tight end Lucas Krull, we saw guard Cesar Ruiz. All of these guys got back in some capacity. Lucas Krull actually did go through drills. He was the only one of that group that I would say was not limited in some way. Kendra Miller, the running back, was also there. That is a surprise to me. I think a lot of people expected him to be out a lot longer with that knee injury. He was back. He was wearing a knee brace, um, which would be interesting to see how long he keeps that on. But that's what we are looking at. Rashid Shaheed was in uniform, but he did not participate in drills. Demario Davis was in pads, and he went through the walkthrough, but he not, did not participate in 
any of the team drills. We did see him working off to the side with trainers. So that's a good sign because to me, the biggest concerning injury is DeMario Davis because I don't know what you do beyond him at linebacker if you can't get him going. Everything else, I think, you know, Dennis Allen has told us that a lot of these injuries are minor, are, are not super concerning. And I think that he's telling the truth there. It's just going to be a question of how long does it take to get some of these guys back. But, okay, let's let's move forward and we can talk about what we saw on offense, which was a lot of plotting, not a ton of big plays. It was not an explosive day for the Saints offense by any stretch. You know, I, I would say the Chargers won the 11 on 11 drills the chargers did not win at least the defense did not win the one-on-ones by any stretch chris Olave was dominant in those reps mike thomas won three out of the four reps uh chris Olave was talking trash to asante samuel jr the only rep that he did not straight up win was a defensive pass interference the reps were out there today so we did get to see you know we get an idea of who is penalty happy and there's a a few headlines out there. There's a few tweets out there. A lot of pre-snap penalties, a lot of yellow laundry on the field. And I think to some extent you were just looking at that and saying, okay, these guys are kind of learning in real time what they're going to be able to get away with and what they cannot. The biggest concern I, concern I had coming at it today is there was a lot of pressure in the backfield on Derek Carr, on Jameis Winston. We already kind of got an idea of what that second group, that second team offensive line has to work on. Uh, in the preseason game against the against the Chiefs, there was a lot of pressure on Jameis in that game. You know, some of it was blitzing. Some of it was Jameis not necessarily picking up the blitz. But largely speaking, you know, I think you can look at the at the protection and say this was not good enough. And I think you saw that again today. So I think you have some concerns on the depth of this offensive line. If it stays healthy, I think you're in decent shape. If you end up having to start a bunch of backups, then I think you're in trouble because you don't have any young ascending players in that offensive line group behind the starters. You know, I thought Trevor Penning actually had a solid day, even with the offensive line struggles. You know, he, I I was watching him a good bit. He didn't get beat off the line more than one time. I think there was one rep that I saw that he really did get beat on, but it was kind of a bootleg for Carr anyway. He was going the opposite direction, so it wouldn't have been a huge issue. I think the bulk of the pressure came on the interior, came on stunts, the Chargers run a 3-4 defense. It's a little confusing to try to wrangle, right, because you never know where the pressure is going to be coming from. There was a few reps that I was watching Trevor Penning. I was kind of ISOing on Trevor Penning to get an idea of what he's doing because I want to see how he holds up. And on at least two of those reps, I was, like, locked in, and then all of a sudden no one came. He was there trying to find someone to block because there was no one rushing him. And so that's, that's one of the challenges the 3-4 scheme the Chargers present because – you never know where they're going to be sending the pressure from and it's got to be something the saints get better at one thing worth noting and you look at the pressure numbers and you look at the lack of big plays and you know the saints didn't scout the chargers they didn't spend any time this week coming up with a specific plan to beat the chargers they came out here to practice Um, and the chargers are just going to be that team that they practice against and get better against but you're not you're not you know spending time in meetings saying okay, we're facing the Chargers. Let's have this really elaborate plan to beat them. Now you're running your base offense. You're seeing how it works. And I think to an extent, you did see it work, right? Like you saw a lot of plays in the middle of the field. Mike Thomas, you know, I'm still questioning his ability to separate downfield to get a lot going on those intermediate routes, right? Like I don't need him to be a big play machine, 
but I do need him to keep the defense honest in the middle of the field, right? Like I need him to be able to sell inside routes. And if he can't do that, then it becomes a little more difficult for him to make an impact. All that said, he is going to feast over the middle of the field. That's what he does. It's what you need him to do. It's what he still can do. It's what I know that he still can do. There are some things that I don't know whether he can still do them. And you're going to have to just kind of wait and see, and hopefully he can get some of it back. But for now, you know, you're going to be working on a lot of rub routes. You're going to be putting him in stacks with A.T. Perry, with Keith Kirkwood, with some of the bigger bodied wide receivers, and just having them kind of create havoc in the middle of the field and force Mike Thomas's defender to battle through that wash, lose leverage, and then it becomes impossible to prevent a ball from being caught if it's delivered where it should be because Mike Thomas has vice grips for hands and he can still get it done. He can still battle with anybody to get that catch. But I think that's where you are with him. I don't think he's ever going to be that 2019 guy who's catching 140 passes. And I had someone tell me the other day, I was like, well, you don't know Mike Thomas because he's never been that guy who could separate. He can separate, or he used to be able to separate to an extent. Yet, No, he was never a guy who relied on a huge amount of separation. He didn't need it. But he, you don't catch 149 passes that are all contested, right? He's creating space to catch that many balls. And I just don't know if he's going to be able to do that consistently. What I will say is that he doesn't necessarily have to because he's not going to be getting bracket coverage with Chris Olave on the field. And to me, that was the big takeaway from today is you saw Chris Olave go up against Asante Samuel Jr. and dominate. You saw him make a couple of catches in seven on sevens. We got, a, we got a question in here about was Chris Olave limping on the sideline. I do think that he might have been dinged up late in the practice. It was nothing significant. But we can get into that in, in the mailbag a little bit more. But, yeah, so I think what you're looking at here is the Saints are, are taking steps. They're moving. I did think the pace of the offense was good. I thought Jameis operated well with the second team. You know, again, he dealt with a lot of pressure. There was one interception thrown. It was by Derek Carr to Derwin James, kind of overthrew Jawan Johnson. It's just, you know, Derwin got him. Um, I don't know if it was necessarily a great decision on that throw. But either way, it's really tough to gauge exactly who's winning a practice because I think the Saints are trying to work on things in their own offense. I think Derek's trying to work on things in the offense. And, you know, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. And – you're just kind of going to see where it goes. One thing that I do think is worth noting, and it's going to be something that I think is worth tracking over the, this, these two practices and the two practices next week, is who's getting reps where, particularly with the first and second teams. Early in camp, I think you can kind of look past some of these hierarchies and the pecking order because they're still being set. I think as you get into these joint practices, you're starting to see real hierarchies of who's going to be that first guy off the off the bench in terms of a linebacker in terms of your cb2 in terms of just a few positions where you're looking at depth right and one of the indicators there to me is you have seen the last two practices Derek carr and Jameis winston are taking all of the team reps jake hayner is getting reps in 1v1s he's getting reps in the individual drills he is not getting team reps the way it worked out today is you would have Derek carr get four you would have Jameis get two. You would have Jer- Derek Carr go back in, get four more. Then you would have Jameis get two more. So you get eight Derek Carr reps, four Jameis Winston reps, and zero Jay Kana reps. In the past, they would have been four, four, four. So I think what you're seeing there is like, okay, these are the guys who are going to be playing in the games. We need to get them these valuable reps. 
Jake, I'm sure, is going to get a ton of reps on Sunday against the Chargers. He doesn't necessarily need them right now, so you're not giving them to him right now. Um, but, you know, I have said before, and I will continue to say this, this is a red shirt season effectively for Jake Hayner. If you end up having to start him, I'm sure that they won't hate the idea of getting him out there. I think they do believe in him. But you have Jameis Winston here for a reason. You are not going to just bypass him with Jake Hayner just to do it. It's not going to benefit you. You know, the only scenario where I could see that happening is like, there's a few scenarios. One is an injury to Derek Carr. And then you have to kind of make that decision of how you're going to set up that table going forward. And then until that bridge exists, I'm not going to think about how I'm going to get over it. The other one would be, okay, a quarterback goes down elsewhere, and maybe you can ship Jameis out for something because you know Jake can be that backup. I don't see that happening either. I think you, as the Saints, know how valuable that backup quarterback can be, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater, whether it's Taysom Hill, whether it's Trevor Simeon, whether it's Andy Dalton, whether it's Jameis Winston. We've seen them all. And so they're not going to just – ship out a valuable backup, a backup they trust um, for, I don't know, what, what do you tell, like a late round draft pick? They're, they're not going to do it. Um, like if someone makes a huge offer and it's, you know, they're, they're being foolish and you're going to let them be foolish, fine. But yeah. Um, you know, otherwise it was a pretty subdued day of practice. It was a beautiful weather. Uh, it was kind of funny because a lot of the, a lot of the Chargers players had their jerseys rolled up. You know, what you would do when it's super hot and uh, I was talking to Cam Jordan about this, and he was told that this was this was a hot practice for them, for the Chargers, which is just funny because uh, coming from New Orleans, you're talking about, you know, I think they had we had six consecutive days uh, over the last week of 100 degree weather, no breaks, uh, and then we got out there 80 degrees, zero humidity, and the Chargers players were like, oh no, it's hot. Anyway, uh, it was gorgeous. The Saints players, you could tell, they were just feeling good about it um you know they, they, they like these practices they're, they're valuable and the players enjoy them so uh, I, I don't think you're going to have any complaints on the saints side of things one other note on at perry you know there's a few wide receivers in this saints on this saints roster that i would say did not have a great start to camp and at perry was one of those guys now the reason i bring that up is not to trash a young player it is to point out where he is so that we can make a determination on where he gets to by the end of camp you know i had at least two people coming at me saying i was bad mouthing him by pointing out what he was he was dropping a ton of passes he's still dropping passes right like his hands are my biggest concern and i think he just loses focus i don't think it's an issue with the hands i think it's an issue with the focus at times and we've seen in practice we see put balls on the ground that should be 10 out of 10, 100 out of 100, you catch that ball. And we saw when, when the lights got bright at the Superdome in week one of the preseason, six for six, six targets, six catches, 70 yards and a touchdown. He led the team. He looked great. And I think you are seeing that confidence kind of bubble through. Now, I did ask him earlier in the week. So he had a couple days earlier in camp where he took the gloves off and he was just wearing, he was just catching the ball with his hands. And I asked him, you know, was that intentional? Was it to do anything specific? And he said, yes, it was to, kind of get used to catching the ball. It was to kind of, you know, get comfortable catching the ball with his hands so that when he puts the gloves on, it's all the easier, right? Uh, it's the same reason they have these little tiny goalposts out for the kickers. It's like if you can make a kick in this tiny goalpost, you can make a kick in the big goalpost. Um, 
So, you know, I think that's just an indicator that, yeah, he also knows that he has work to do and he is improving and the confidence is clear. The other players who I think have started to show a bit more confidence the last few days, Brian Edwards, he looks really good, uh, but he did not earlier in camp. (laughs) So that is one to see. And then there's one other player that I meant to mention and I completely lost track of. Oh, Kawan Baker is the other one. Um, Kawan Baker had a really, really nice day today. I keep, I've been waiting for him to show why the Saints continue to keep him around. And I think you saw a bit of that today. You saw the chemistry with Jameis Winston. You saw kind of the savviness of a guy who's been in the league for three years. He's not a rookie. He's not a second-year pro. He's been in the league. You need to start seeing that. And so you did see it today. There was a third and eight rep on one of the team drills where they were marching down the field. And he got open. He converted the first down. It was a big play. Saints moved into field goal range. Blake Groupie made the kick. Kawan's the hero. You know, and I, I don't know if he has a real chance to make this roster, but he could be on the practice squad and you want to keep him around. And so he's playing with confidence. It's good to see. I'm going to go from there, especially, you know, we haven't seen Traquan Smith in a while. Uh, I think there's a point where you just say, okay, Keith Kirkwood is that guy. I think you do need to keep one of those two players and, uh, and you're going to go from there. But, now, I think that's that's about it in terms of my takeaways from today's offensive practice. Tomorrow, I'll be, again, I'll be looking at the defense. I was talking to a few people who were over there. Uh, we'll hear from Deuce in the next segment. I think Malcolm Roach had a big day. He's a guy who I've been impressed with throughout camp. I tweeted a screenshot of one of the plays he made against the Chiefs. The ball was snapped at the Saints' 40-yard line. and I'm sorry, the Chiefs' 40-yard line. And he made, ended up making a tackle at the Saints, like, 44-yard line. You're 15, 16 yards downfield. This 300-pound defensive lineman chugging downfield to make that tackle. That's not something you see. And I think he has impressed a lot of people. He's always showing up. He's always around the ball. You know, you're talking about probably Colin Saunders, Nathan Shepard, 93. Both of those guys have also looked good. I think the defensive interior is something that I'm not as concerned about now as I was going in. But Malcolm Roach is making a serious push to be in that group. Brian Brzee has also looked good. So I think you have a really solid four-man rotation there that, you know, a couple months ago, I had a lot of questions about it. Um, and then obviously you have Marshawn, you have all these guys, you have all these defensive backs. So I think the Saints are in, a, in good shape, and I am curious to get a closer look at how the defense fares against Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, all these guys. But all right, let's wrap up that segment. We're going to come back. We're going to hear from Deuce McAllister, his takes on the defense. We're also going to talk to Mike Thomas, hear what he had to say. Uh, you know, he talks about being a leader. He's a 30-year-old guy in this wide receiver room now. It's kind of crazy to think, but he is that leader now. So we'll be right back on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. If you haven't subscribed yet, make sure to do that. I am out in Costa Mesa. I'm at the Saints-Chargers joint practice, giving you a rundown of what I saw. We're going to get into more on the defense, do a mailbag close out the show if you have any questions comments get them in there but until then stick around and we're back on inside black and gold i'm jeff nowak out in costa mesa here for the saints chargers joint practices getting you a rundown of what i saw this morning out in the 80 degree zero humidity just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful weather of California. Although, you know, I can't escape it. Apparently, there's a hurricane off the coast of California right now. It's supposed to make landfall on Monday. So hopefully we can get out after the preseason game on Sunday. 
but you know it's uh, you know you can leave New Orleans, but <laughs> can't escape the weather. Anyway, this segment we're gonna get more into the defense, and I didn't get to watch a lot of the defense today, so I'm gonna rely on Deuce McAllister and Mike Haas. I recorded this video, so if you need to know how I am associated with it, that's where I am on the opposite side of the camera. But they went through a good bit of what they saw, particularly on the defensive side. So here you go. And I don't, I don't know what perfect is, but this is pretty close to it. Uh, 60s in the morning, 70s in the afternoon. Cam talked about it. Dennis Allen talked about it. I mean, this was just a, this was a good day to have a good practice. Mike, you know what perfect is? Us taking our shoes off, taking our shirt off. We're walking on the beach and. This is probably sun. You know, we had to get up early in the morning to do that because this is a little warm to be walking on the beach. And, you know, it's just we're living the old dad life. That that That's perfect. That's For me to have my shirt off, that ain't no perfect. Well, I mean, that's, per- that's perfect. <laughs> my wife would say that ain't perfect. I mean, hey, we're going to get ridiculed, but we're, we're, we'll get ridiculed. I mean, we're not worried about that. We're we're living a dad life. We're on the beach. We're, we're just we're strolling. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk football, right? Um, I thought today was was a pretty good practice for him, and obviously the weather was not an issue. And, you know, uh, I had a chance to kind of split the fields, and you try to catch one offense, uh, our offense, and then you try to look on the other side and see what our defense is doing. Uh, makes it a little tough. You you miss a lot just because it's, it's so fast. It's so fast. And, you know, one of the things here, here – here's something unique. One of the things that you know from being in the Sean offense, and we actually talked about it on, on the uh, on the air, was the tempo. The tempo offensively uh, for us is really, really fast. Even when they're going, they start at the same time. Saints offensively probably had run three plays before the Chargers had even one run play. You know, their offense had run, not even run one play. Saints offensively, they run three. And so their tempo is so fast, and that that, that stresses a defense. Now, you still got to execute. I mean, because if you don't execute, now it's three and out and you're punting. But, uh, you know, I thought they had good tempo out there. I thought, you know, offensively there were some, some, some throws that you made. Uh, you know, some uh, when you look at it from um, – False start. There was a couple false start issues. Uh, offensive line probably had a little bit of pressure. But here's the thing also, and Derek kind of alluded to it, um, there was no film that you watched of this scene. You just came and practice. You know, they had a practice yesterday in New Orleans, and then they come out here. They hadn't studied or, 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 or did anything against the Chargers. So you just go and play. And so I think that's where playing a good team like a Bosa and, uh, you know, you talk about Mac and some of the stars that they have on that defense uh, will get you. I mean, particularly if you're not sound. But, I mean, overall, I thought it was a pretty good day for them. I spent all of my time on the defensive side, mostly kind of watching to see who might be that other linebacker. Nephi Sewell spent a lot of time with the ones with Warner, but then so did Jalen Smith kind of work his way in. And you talked about focusing on the defensive front. I mean, uh, Malcolm Roach time and time again. And, and, and they asked Cam Jordan, he seems to be really kind of standing up. And that's a, an accurate description because he stood up a lot of running backs. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things for him right now, um, it's been a rotation as far as starters, but Malcolm has pretty much run with the twos. I think he's pushing to say, no, I want to go with the ones because, you know, you'll, you'll play all of those guys as far as defensive tackles, but he has really had a really good camp. And to see it carry over for him and have, you know, I call them backfield plays where he's just in the backfield and he's causing havoc you know he, he definitely did that today and then Ifai Su had actually he caused a fumble on a uh, run play for uh it was Austin Eckler where he was able to punch it out and you know uh, uh Lattimore picked it up and he would have been a scoop and score so Nephi Su made himself known a couple of times uh you know I thought that the charges offensively 
worked underneath a lot for Keenan Allen where he had some really good catches and, and made some plays. Uh, you know, but I mean, he's, he, he's going to make those plays. If you're not going to um, travel your corner with him and you're not going to, you know, hey, look, I don't want to make sure. I think he had one catch where Pete Warner w- w- was covering him, but the Saints were blitzing, you know, and it's questionable whether or not they had got there. You know, that, that that's not a matchup that you want. You know, I don't want Pete Warner running with their top receiver across the middle. So, I mean, little things like that. Yes, you'll make adjustments, but when you're just lining up and you're playing, you deal with it. Alante Taylor had another one of those days where he wasn't necessarily in position, wasn't turned, but he, if, the, if the receiver caught it, he knocked it out. If it, whatever he could do, he must have had probably five PBUs today. Yeah, and he, he I thought he had a pretty good camp, uh, you know, a camp, but he had a pretty good day as well. And, you know, they'll go back and look at it. They had a lot of one-on-ones when they were in one-on-one sessions, a lot of, you know, breakups and, and just, you know, there were some big plays as well. And what was interesting was the officials who were out here and so you would always see when there would be a breakup, the first thing they would look around to see if there was a flag on the play, you know, and so little things like that will help these guys as they prepare, you know, not only for this next preseason game, but for the regular season as well. So that was Deuce McAllister and Mike Haas going through what they saw on both sides of the ball. But, you know, the, to, the interest of me was the defensive side of the ball. It's good to hear that Alante Taylor is continuing to be that guy because I think he is that guy. I think he really is. And you're just you're just kind of wanting to see him continue to to improve and improve and improve. You know, I don't think it's coincidence that he's the guy who tips up the ball for the interception against the Chiefs. He just seems to be in the right place at the right time. And, you know, I I think that this offense, this defense has a lot of really intriguing players at key positions that can get the job done, right? And that's what I feel like they just had, you know, one too few of those throughout a lot of the last few seasons. And And that has reared its ugly head at the worst possible times. And hopefully you can kind of, work your way around that one of the guys that they did not have often enough that I think whatever. And we've, we've talked we talked a little bit about this. Like, I don't know what the ceiling is for Mike Thomas this season, but if you can just have Mike Thomas doing what we know he can do, which is battle for balls in the middle of the field, that opens up a lot. And so we got to talk to Mike today and I'll play that interview for you right here. I noticed you've been running out with some of the other receivers, some of the more inexperienced receivers, working with them. Is yeah. that something you're taking on, the leadership role? That you- uh, definitely. We need it in the room, and um, I'm here to, to do that, to tell these guys they look up to me, so I'm here to, to talk to them honestly, give them a good example anyway. I could help them any questions they ask, pick my brain. I'm there to add value to them too because ultimately we're going to need those guys all season too. And also, like, I mean, it's, we're, we're out here to get better. We're out here to compete. And um, that's all our coach preaches to us. And I'm here to just be here to help the offense and, and motivate the guys and keep them encouraged and let them know that hard work pays off and keep working hard. Mike, do you feel like you're adding value because you're beating people, you're making catches? Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's my job description. That's what I do. So I enjoy doing that, but I'm always trying to perfect my craft and, and um and, and, and create that that uh, type of chemistry, you know, that I've had previously with guys like Drew and, you know, um, that relationship. So we're here to win games and we're here to try to win all the games. So honestly, whatever I have to do and whatever my number is called to do that, I'm here to do that. That's what I'm most excited about. Like, I've noticed that, like, when you guys are doing one-on-ones, like, you'll call Marshawn out, like, to, to go up against him. Yeah. Why, why do you want him, like, every time you do it? Um, that's the type of rep that, you, that keeps you honest. That's the type of rep that makes you think and have a plan at the line. That's the type of rep that makes you want to go hard. You know, it's like, that's, that's a game rep. That's how you maximize the period. It's like going against the best and competing at a high level. 
and just what about coming out here going against different guys like what does that help you like as far uh, as that's always that's always fun to come out here and go against they have a talented group in their secondary a lot of talent over there a lot of guys that can play and move well um so we look forward to going against those guys and competing against them we have a lot of respect for them and um those are more reps that keep you honest you feel like you accomplished like kind of what you wanted to day one out here um i wish i would have went you know four and oh on one on one but i went three and one so not really but it's cool Obviously, there's only a one drive in the preseason game. What do you think of the chemistry of that first-team offense? That you've um, seen it's definitely something we could build on. Um, we felt it. We got a taste of it. We know we're capable of, so we just have to keep building on that. How would you describe Chris Olave's personality? You saw him talking a lot with Asante Samuel. Yeah. When you see that, I mean, like, just fun to watch. Like, how would yeah. you describe? Because, look, he's so quiet with us. How yeah. would you describe him? Yeah, he's a dog. He's a dog for sure. He, he lives for these moments. He lives for competition. He loves to compete. You know, he's came out, he's cut from that same club, you know, from Ohio State. Um, that that pedigree and that standard that we hold ourselves to when we compete all day at practice and we come out here, that's what makes the game fun for us, competing and, and going against the best and, and, and proving ourselves right and, and winning our rep and getting the team going and letting everyone feed off us. Uh, we look for that and we take pride in that. So when you see him talking with somebody like that, it doesn't surprise you? Nah, I just tell him, man, I'm jumping in with you. I'm right with you. That's why I tell him. So we just talk about it like if, if he's jumping in, we all jumping in. So it's like if he goes, we go. If I go, we all go. Like that's just how we're moving. That's how we're trying to approach this season, like moving the ball down the field, scoring a lot of points, helping D.C., helping his offense, and winning a lot of games. That was Mike Thomas talking about, you know, the first day of Saints Chargers joints practices. It was nice of the Chargers receivers to be working on the jugs machine right there where we're doing interviews. You know, that's just life at an NFL practice, I guess. But hey, you know, I thought that was an interesting interview. One thing that I take away from that is, you know, something that you can see up and down the Saints roster that there is an emphasis on mature veterans leading young players, right? Like you see a Jimmy Graham, you don't just bring in Jimmy Graham because what he can do for the offense you bring in Jimmy Graham because what he can do to the games of a Jawan Johnson, of a Foster Morrow, guys that can kind of learn from him. Mike Thomas embracing that role in a wide receiver room with a lot of young players in it, right? With Chris Olave, Rashid Jaheed, A.T. Perry, Shaq Davis, all these guys, they look up to him. When they were in college, he was blowing up the NFL, catching 149 passes. He is a, he is a star. He is a superhero to these players, especially the Ohio State kids, the Chris Olave. You know, so – it, you know, I think there are situations where the veterans don't necessarily embrace that role as as kind of the the leader of the group, and it's good to hear that he that he has. But you see that across you know this this roster, anywhere you have a lot of young players, you're adding veterans. You're adding a Jalen Smith alongside a Demario Davis, a guy that that people can look up to and and learn from, right? Like that's what you're doing. You're adding a Derek Carr. Like you're you're not drafting a rookie and saying good luck, right? I think that there's something to be said for that. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing that because, you know, we talk about does Mike Thomas have it? Is he the same Mike Thomas? If he is providing value, he talks about adding value all the time. It is a it is a mantra for him is add value, add value. And how can you do that? How can you add value beyond going and just catching passes? Well, helping lead a Chris Olave, Rashid Shaheed to water, there's something to be said for that. So, you know, I, I appreciate his approach. I appreciate his attitude. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that kind of kind of play out uh, over the course of the season. But all right, let's wrap up that segment. We're going to come back for one more segment here on Inside Black and Gold. 
going to be a mailbag. I see a bunch of questions in there already. So we're going to go through those. If you have any hot takes, whatever, get them in the chat, wherever you're watching. We're live on Facebook and YouTube, and I will get to as many as I can in this final segment. I'm Jeff Nowak out in Costa Mesa. Spent this morning watching Saints Chargers joint practices. We're talking about it. It's a good time. The weather's great. You can tell it's still sunny here. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a big part of where I am. Uh, but all right, keep it locked on inside. Bye. back two segments down one more to go here on inside black and gold and this is going to be a mailbag edition i've got some comments start we have plenty left to fill so if you have any you want to throw in there make sure to do that and i'll run through as many as i can before we get out of here the first thing we got bng breakdown podcast very similar to to our name what are you doing anyway it's fine we'll, we'll figure it out it says olave was seen limping on the sideline today any news on what injury he's dealing with Limp, you know, it, talk about a limp, right? Like if, if it was a limp, it was a subtle limp. He's not, you know, like favoring that leg really. I think he probably just, you know, nicked it up and you're kind of dealing with it. He didn't leave practice. He didn't go get treatment. Um, so I would imagine it's, it's some kind of lower leg minor issue. Um, you know, any any injury that we've seen players leave practice with, we've been told about pretty quickly. So I don't think it is particularly significant, but yes, he did limit him throughout the end of this practice. He was dominant early on. I'm not concerned about it. I, I don't think anyone else should be either, but yeah, we, we don't really have any, a ton of information. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't lose sleep over it though. So moving on to the next one is Byron Bland. He has any scuffles or flare ups today. And you know what? We, we talked to Dennis Allen about this. We talked to Derek Carr, Cam Jordan. No, this was a very well-intentioned this in, and I will say that's me based on what I saw on the offensive side. I did not see the defensive side of the ball, as I've talked about, but Dennis Allen kind of indicated that, no, it was a very good-natured practice. You know, the only real trash talk uh, was, you know, Chris Olave and Asante Samuel uh, at one point. Oh, man, I can't recall who. So 39. Let me let me look it up. Let me look up the, the roster. 39. Who's 39? Michael Jacquet. Jacket? Jacquet. UL guy, actually, he broke up a pass to Kawan Baker and he was coming back yelling too easy, too easy. And, you know, but that's it. That was just the kind of the ribbing you got. There was no fights. And, uh, you know, we we saw a fight at Saints practice on Friday. So, you know, they are getting a little riled up. I think you get a little antsy in these last few weeks as you're just like dying to get into real games. But no, we didn't see anything today. That said, you know, I think that second day when you have had that first day of like going at somebody, that's when you might start to see it. So if there's going to be any fights, I would expect them to be tomorrow, but nothing really of note today. All right. Glenn Illich, any concerns of Pete Carmichael not utilizing Taysom Hill this year? Seems like he was missing in action quite a bit last year. Well, as I mentioned, Taysom was not out there today. He's dealing with a strained oblique. It's a muscle in your side. He has dealt with rib injuries last year. I don't know how similar these are, but you know the, those can be tricky. And I do. I keep. I keep wondering. They don't put a red jersey on him. Just put a red jersey on him. Who's it going to hurt if he keeps getting hurt in practice? Like I. I don't need him to get hit. I need him to not get hurt anyway. You know. I. I think one of the questions this year is 
can you get everyone involved? Can you get the ball spread around enough that your key players are not saying, okay, where, where is my part of this offense? Can you get Jimmy Graham the ball? Can you get Juwan Johnson the ball? Can you get Alvin Kamara the ball from week four and beyond? Can you get Mike Thomas and Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid all the targets to maximize their abilities in this offense? It's a good question. And where does Taysom Hill slot in there? I don't know. Last year, he got a ton of work in the red zone. He got a ton of work basically as a running back. This year, I don't know how much of that you're going to get past week four. I think he's going to be heavily involved in the run game weeks one, two, and three when you definitely need him in that respect. But what about beyond that? When Jamal Williams is as good as there is as a short yardage back, are you going to give those carries to Taysom Hill? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, maybe some of them. I'm sure certain parts of your offense, and it will make your offense better because it'll be harder to predict. It'll be harder to plan for. But I think his usage, Taysom Hill's usage, will probably go down from what we saw last year, but I expect him to be involved in more ways. I expect him to be more involved as a pass catcher. One thing that's worth mentioning, in Tuesday's practice, Taysom Hill, for the first time that I can recall, was wearing two gloves. I know that sounds kind of weird, but as a quarterback, you only wear one glove. You wear a glove on your non-throwing hand, and you obviously throw the ball with the ungloved hand because any quarterback other than maybe a Teddy Bridgewater, Kurt Warner, later in their careers, right, like Peyton Manning, I think, put on a second glove later in his career to help him grip the football. Most quarterbacks do not want to throw a football with a glove on. It's sticky. It doesn't work right. And so you just haven't seen him wear it. And I and I have wondered over the last couple of years, is that – limiting him as a pass catcher is he would he be a better pass catcher with two gloves on and would it be worth learning how to throw with a glove on so that as a receiver you can wear two gloves and you know it's like kind of weird because you you could say well what when he's working as a receiver why doesn't he just put that extra glove on like well that would actually be kind of like tipping pitches right like if you wear two gloves as a receiver but not as a quarterback anytime you run out to the huddle with two gloves on him. Like, oh, he's not a quarterback for this place. So you don't want to do that. So it's got to be consistent. Either way, I think you're going to see Taysom catch a lot more passes this year than he did last year. And that's how you're going to incorporate him into this offense a bit more um, with the carries limited with some of the pieces you have. But it's a good question. Thanks for the question, Claude. Here's, a, here's an optimistic question from Richie Matthews. Do you think Derek Carr could win the MVP award? No. And I say this with a heart full of malice about Drew Brees never winning the MVP award, right? I just think as, as a New Orleans Saint, you're going to, you, you got to really blow people out of the water to win an MVP. And I mean, I don't know what Drew had to do more than he did to win an MVP. So, I mean, you think Derek Carr is going to throw for 5,000 yards? I hope not. Because if Derek Carr throws for 5,000 yards, it means he is trying to throw himself back into a lot of games. And that means that the Saints defense is not performing as well as you need them to. And if that's the case, then this could be a very long season, right? So could he, I mean, anything could happen, right? I just think it's highly, I mean, 0.001% chance, which you could say about basically anyone in the NFL. So, yeah, I'm going to say no, I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, I think Mike Thomas could win a comeback player of the year award. Um, The only issue being all DeMar Hamlin has to do is step on the field. He's probably going to win the comeback player of the year, but either way, yeah, I don't think that's an award that, uh, that they're going to be in contention for, but thanks for the question, Richie. Josh Carlos, how did Penning pass protect 
you know, I, th- I thought he passed protected reasonably well. You know, we talk about the pressure. There was, a, there was a bit more pressure than I wanted to see on Derek Carr and Jameis Winston. Obviously, no Jake Hayner reps. Um, but I don't think it was Trevor's doing. Uh, I do think you were helping to his side a bit more than you might want to with James Hurst and leaving Eric McCoy and leaving the right side of the line, which had a backup, a little bit on their own. And with some stunts, with some interior pressure, that's where Derek Carr started to feel it. But I didn't see Trevor Penning getting blown by. I saw him holding up. I saw him creating space, keeping leverage. Um, there was one play that he got beat on a double move. He stepped outside, came back inside. And, you know, there's going to be moments where where he loses. You don't win every rep as an offensive lineman. If you did, you would be in the Hall of Fame. And so I think, yeah, like, there's going to be a learning curve. This is a very good pass rush. You have Joey Bosa, you have Khalil Mack, you have Sebastian Joseph Day. I think that's the name. I could be wrong for uh, the Chargers. So, you know, they're, they're, it's a tough assignment. Um, but, you know, I watched him a good bit. I didn't see anything super concerning. And I think he held up well against the Chiefs. So I think you do have some confidence building there. Um, I have no major concerns about him at this point. Thanks for the question, Josh. Okay, Richie again. Will Thomas play the whole season? I hope so. That would be fantastic. I would love for Mike Thomas to play all 17 games. I think your target should be, your reasonable target should be lower than that. Right? Like, I would be thrilled if you get 14 games out of Mike. Because if you got the same number of games out of Mike as you get out of Alvin, I think that would be a hugely successful season for a guy who just has not been on the field for so long. He has not been on the field for just so long. And you just hope that he can kick that, right? And I think there's reason to think that he could. You know, there's this idea that, oh, he keeps getting hurt every year, and he has. But the injury he suffered last year, it's kind of a freak injury, and it had nothing to do with his ankle. Like, the ankle was what you say, man, can he ever come back? Does he have glass ankles? Is he going to be able to hold up? Well, it wasn't the ankle that let him down. He dislocated a toe. So, in that sense, like, I don't see, you know, the ankle did not regress. And, you know, it's just like his body's failing him. And that's that's the question. So, I would honestly be okay with Mike Thomas playing 14 games with some like load management baked in, right? Like even if he's not dealing with a serious injury, maybe you give him a week off here or there because you know that if you try to stretch him out all 17 games, it might not work. And you just want to make sure that he is getting the right level of maintenance so that you can get a representative sample out of him. But I I hope that like, I don't need him to play all 17 games. I need him to be available as of week 18, right? I don't really necessarily care how many games he plays in between week one and week 18. I'd like it to be double digits, but I want him to get to the end of the season, not on injured reserve. That's what I want. (laughs) However that happens, I'm okay with it. Yes, it is still daytime, St. Doug LV. It is gorgeous, and it's but it is funny. People here seem to think this is hot. It's 80 degrees and zero humidity. It was fantastic. The only time I sweat all morning at practice was when I got back into the car because I had been sitting in the sun all day. I started dripping sweat. Uh, but otherwise, oh, my gosh, it was I haven't been this comfortable in, in weeks. Josh Carlos, will Kirkwood make this team? You know, I think he might. I really do. And it's it's kind of to me, it comes down to, you know, you you need one of those veterans. He's a, you need a big guy who can block, who you trust who the quarterback trusts implicitly. And right now, 
I think that's between Traquan Smith and Keith Kirkwood. And so, yeah, how do you kind of manage that? <laughs> to me, if Traquan can't get on the field, and I've seen this bond between Keith Kirkwood and Derek Carr just continue and continue and continue to grow. And so, yeah, I mean, I think there's a real realistic chance Keith Kirkwood does make this team, and I'm rooting for him. I really like Keith Kirkwood. If you've ever heard him talk, if you've ever spoken with him, he's a great guy. He loves it here. He talked shit about Carolina when he was there. Uh, you know, there's a lot to like there. And, uh, you know, there's a reason Drew Brees liked him, right? Like, he's a, he's a very good teammate. He's a guy people like to be around. So I could, I could see him making the team. Let's see. One more question from Richie. How good – is our offensive line. And that is a, that's the million dollar question. I just don't know. I don't know. I'd like to think it's good. I'd like to think that when you have four first round picks and an early second round pick, and that's not true anymore because James Hurst is kind of in there now. But when you, when you devote all of those first round picks, those high draft picks on your offensive line, you'd like to think you would have a top end offensive line. I'm not sure if they do. We will see. It's tough because it's like you, you got to you grade the unit, not so much just the individual parts. If you have a left tackle that you can trust and not have to send help to constantly, that would make your offensive line a heck of a lot better. I think Eric McCoy is as good as there is at the center position. And Ryan Ramchek is a top 10 right tackle in this league. Cesar Ruiz, question mark. James Hurst, question mark. If Cesar Ruiz can continue to take a step forward like he did last year, then I think this offensive line has a chance to be really good. And you just have to hope that James Hurst can hold up a guard in between Penning and McCoy and, you know, kind of make 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 do. And then you send a lot of help with the, with the tight ends, right? But I think this this OL group, if nothing else, you want them to be consistent. I don't need them to be the top, top five group. I need them to be a consistent, ideally healthy group. And if you can do that in front of Derek Carr, and Derek Carr can maybe help. That's one thing that we never talk about with the offensive line is your quarterback can make your offensive line a lot better. Um, without you even realizing it. Like Drew Brees every year was making his offensive line look way better just by getting them in the right position, making sure they all knew what they were doing, getting them in the right call, making sure you were checking to the correct play. Because a well-blocked play is more about the call a lot of the time than the execution. If you can get into the right situation and just say, okay, do this, do what you know how to do, this play will work. But you have to get there and you have to understand how to get there. And Drew did as well as anybody. You know, I think Derek should be able to do that. I think that's one of the reasons you, you brought him in. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But get another good look at the Saints tomorrow as they practice with the Chargers. I'm Jeff Nowak. I'm out in Costa Mesa. Check out the latest content over at WWL.com. I'll be hosting Sports Talk with Steve Geller tomorrow, 4 to 8 Central Time. I might start at 5. I, it's tough because I get getting back from practice there's a, there's a pretty tight turnaround, but I should be there. And then I'll obviously be out at the game on the sideline on Sunday. Looking forward to that. I have not been to SoFi. I've heard very good things. We'll actually be out back in SoFi later this year when the Saints face the Rams. So this will be kind of a, a dry run to get used to that stadium. So I'm looking forward to it. But this is Inside Black and Gold. Thanks, everyone, for checking in on this live chat, leaving a question, leaving a comment. If you haven't subscribed yet on YouTube, do that at WWL Sports. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Download the Odyssey app. We're on there. Or wherever you get your podcast, Apple, whatever. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you'd like to see more of. And we will do our best to get that to you again. I'm Jeff Nowak. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Who dat? Go Saints. I'm going to go sit by the pool. Peace, y'all.